from worlds beyond to right at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Aaron. Oh no, what have you done? <laughs> hey Aaron. It's been a while. My name is Eric Atano Sayas. I'm just, I'm shaking things out. I gotta, oh. gotta get used to it. I gotta get my feet back <sighs> under me. Hey I Aaron. I forgot what I say. I have to say, welcome all to all my fantasy children. My name is Eric Atano Sayas. And my name is Jeff Stormer. Dang, and this is All My Fantasy Children. It's a character creation, storytelling, and world building podcast where each week, Jeff and I take a listener submitted prompt create a fantasy story, myth, legend, character, and use that story to help develop our original fantasy universe we lovingly call fantasy. That's a, we've been a, we, it's been a while. It's been a bit of season <laughs> premiere for us. We've been, we're yeah. back. Aaron, what plot lines have developed mid, mid, what, what, what juicy cliffhanger detail do you want to drop right now to reveal like the, 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 the war, you know, so that people who are listening can follow along week to week and really oh, like build on yeah. some threads. Um, I'll give you one. Okay. Uh, so I since since we last recorded, I received a letter from a mysterious business contract uh, <gasps> that says we have to settle old debts. I'm just gonna leave that up to you, listener. I'm not gonna elaborate on that. Maybe Dang. it'll come up later. But like, I got this letter, and I'm gonna have to meet someone and settle some old business. <laughs> Dang! And the door shuts, and Jeff's silhouette is seen in a, like a, a dimly lit alley. What 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 detail are you picking up on on the season premiere, Aaron? <laughs> On the season premiere of All My Fantasy Children, mm-hmm. um, I saw in the trailer on YouTube um, that Aaron comes back, but he's played by a new person. Ah, uh, yeah, that does they make don't sense. Want me to, they don't want anybody to notice that it's a completely <laughs> different person. You're the same, in the, uh, but I'm different. I had noticed that. I, I, I didn't want to say anything, but I had noticed. Yeah, I'm played by a completely different actor who's like much older and better than me. Like it's it's Christian Bale plays me now, and but he's using his like his British accent, but like thinks no one will notice. I so the thing that I noticed was that we had a Paul Rudd cameo later in the season, and frankly, like I could not be more excited. That's what made people not care that Aaron's not back for our new season because Paul Rudd showed up. Everyone's like, "Hey, Paul Rudd!" I just I just want to say to the listeners, I want to say that I want to put this up front class act really like yeah absolutely. we had him on set really could not you'd think somebody with that level of fame is going to come in do the job and leave really made a personal connection with a lot of us on really we've got some stories to share but we'll save that for another time yeah and it's a shame because everybody got along with paul rudd so well that nobody still gave a fuck that i wasn't on the <laughs> show anymore yeah i'll but- be honest i didn't I, I i noticed you were christian bale but like i did not question <laughs> starstruck <it. laughs> But it's been a while, Jeffson. We've made this show. I went away to Colorado for a quick gig, and I didn't bring my shit because I didn't, and I didn't want to. Uh, it's been great living life, and you know, uh, working on projects and doing stuff. What have you been up to in a, the month that we haven't made this show? Uh, I got laid off my job, got a new job, and then uh, that new job slaps. That new job slaps cheeks. And then started like I like I went from I think I might in the time between recording. When did we last record? Hold on, I I'm have gonna no look this idea. Up. Yeah, please do. It's gonna make my stomach hurt, and I'm gonna feel like I need to apologize to listeners. I absolutely but I'm not fucking gonna. don't. You live. A, we both. We both have. We both are living lives yo if anything we take from us listeners it's that like if you ever look at the dates of this show and like when things get released and if it seems it was early on we were like a week at a time 
we got busy and we got happier, so we stopped burning ourselves yeah. out and making a show every week, thinking that we have to to keep up with some invisible race. So, so November yeah. 2021 was our last recording. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, I did live, I left on like the third for uh So for legitimately in the time that we, since we last recorded, I got word that I was getting laid off of my job, started hunting for a new job got a new job, and then started that job. Boom. <laughs> and now been there for a week. Yeah, it's been awesome. Like, it's been it's, great. A lot has happened. We've all, we've, both of us have emerged from a chrysalis more powerful than ever, and I've done a lot of shit that's, like, gotten me really, like, I, I wanted to really get, so I, I found myself getting a little caught up in the same old drudgery of, like, trying to think of ideas and self-generate for the show, and it's not really what I like doing or what I want to do. So I'm glad I like went out and lived my fucking existence and I got some banger whopper I'm really ideas excited. for the I'm show. I'm excited to jump in. I think we've got some good stuff to talk about today. But first, what Aaron, uh, let's zoom in a little bit further now that we've yeah. talked about what's been life. Uh, life has been like while we've been away. Yeah. What's getting you excited this week? Shit. God, forgot about that question. I legit did. Um, I feel like we're like, uh, this is the end of League of Their Own, where we're all at like the field together, and it's been like, it's been 40 years. Um, what's getting me excited this week is, yo, I am back on my anime bullshit. Nice. I have read in the last day, I have read like a hundred, like a hundred chapters of Demon Slayer. I have literally gone down a deep manga rabbit hole, and it feels so good, because Truth be told, I like to consume as much fiction as possible because it helps me generate cool ideas for things. And this one is one of my favorites because it's you can tell that a demon that Demon Slayer is written by a fucking nerd like us who's like obsessed with their own fiction and loves like the deeper questions of like, oh wow, how deep does that power go? That villain story, this ability. And it's just been really nice to kind of consume something where I'm like, I almost I almost see myself in the work, and I know that's a big statement because Demon Slayer is like the most popular thing right now. But also, like I do see the level of detail that this person goes into that I personally strive for in the shit that we do here. Mm. So I've been enjoying like being like that. Get the famous vine of I do that too. <laughs> you know, it's been I nice. Love it. I, love it it. Cool. I love it. I love it. What's getting you excited? I gotta talk to you about Taskmaster, Aaron. I gotta oh, talk please. to you about Taskmaster. It is uh, my everything. I think in the last week we've watched five seasons of it. Each season is only eight. Ep- it's only eight episodes a season, but that's still a lot. You watched eight? No, we watched five, five, eight episode seasons. Yo, that's a lot, though. It is a lot. So, so Taskmaster is a British show. It's been running since 2015, uh, and the premise of it actually started looks like the first episode aired two days after our our first episode release. So we've been God running damn. alongside this show. What it is is it is a British, like, panel show. So it's five British celebrities or comedians. They come on, and for several months prior to the show, they are they are handed tasks. They are handed tasks to complete, such as a uh, few of them that I'm looking at from the early seasons, uh, completely empty a bathtub full of soapy water without removing the plug or <laughs> tipping or damaging the bathtub. <laughs> Fastest person wins. That's incredible! Uh, high five a 55-year-old. Aww. Get this egg as high as possible without breaking it. That's cute. I like uh, this. I'm reading like, its Wikipedia page right now, and I'm feeling it. That's like, and that's the whole show. Like, they are given tasks, and they have to complete them, and you're kind of encouraged to, like, like, like if the instructions are literally just high-five a 55-year-old, like, 
There's nothing saying you can't bribe people to be like, hey, are you 55? Can I give you $20 to give you a high five? (laughs) If it says completely empty this bathtub, it doesn't say I have to do like it doesn't say I can't use a tool so I can just get a vacuum cleaner and suck the water out. Like, oh, I love it. So like you're encouraged to 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 sidestep the rules a little bit and like figure out like where you are, where the line is. And yeah. It's very, very fun and very, it's just like a good, enjoyable show. It's a good, enjoyable energy and like it's a little it. bit chaotic and a little just like it It has real big like friends hanging out energy because it's just a bunch of, uh, this is a long description and I appreciate you hanging in there. I'm with you. What they do is like for like six months prior to, to the show airing, they like film them doing these tasks. They'll like bring them to the set and be like, here's your task. And then they bring them on set for like an actual panel show thing where they're like, here's the video of you attempting this. And you watch it in front of an audience with the other contestants to be like, see, this person uh, asked the question of like, this person asked this question and did it this way. And everybody else goes, why didn't I think of that? And it's very, very fun. And then they do some tasks live on air. It's great. I love it. I love like, I love, like you said, friends hanging out energy. It, it's what it's needed sometimes. I, I have been really diving into... I've, I've gotten so into game shows in the last, like, three months. They're the shit. Between between Taskmaster, Game Changer on College Humor, and then also on College Humor, Um, Actually. Mm-hmm. It's been really nice, and I say this on a tabletop RPG-inspired podcast as we are about to dive into some, some world building, and it's been nice to just have, like, light, easy, non-tabletop-related content that I can just, like dive into and enjoy and stuff that's not necessarily like narrative and is just fun and light and 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 enjoyable and engaging it's just it's top to bottom delightful that makes me very happy i'm glad you're consuming comfort shows like things that just feel good you know what i mean sometimes you need a break because like currently the tv trend is very much like drama 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 long-running comedy blah blah it's nice i love game shows man Game show host is my dream career, oh, I've realized. Oh, you'd be a I great do, game show host. I would do I anything lie. to host a game show. Fuck. If you're listening to this and you're thinking about putting together a game show, shoot me an email. Yeah, please email Jeff. It would be my honor to host your game show. <laughs> so, Aaron, what's our prompt this week? Oh, our prompt this week, we don't got one. Um, oh, be- no, oh. I know. Surprise. That's right. That's New right. season so, twist. Yeah, season twist. No, but the reality is, um, so I went to the Philadelphia Art Museum recently and I saw a bunch of stuff. And then I was like jotting down notes in the, by the way, if you're like a nerd of this show and you really enjoy it, I jot down tons of notes and ideas that I have on the go in a, our Discord in a senior wizard mobile chat, like for a little channel. So if you're ever curious about the thoughts that go into the show. Anyway, so I was at the Philadelphia Art Museum and I saw two things that really jumped out at me and made me think about our show. One of them was, uh, so I saw a, a map from like the early 1700s of like the United States, a little bit of Canada, a little bit of South America. And it was a good attempt, you know, but it wasn't right, obviously, because they didn't have fucking like satellites and shit. So it was like a really good job, but it was close. And it was like, you know, it was fine. The shapes were off. Us in the future, we would have said like, oh my God, that's ridiculous. Doesn't look anything like America, but it's pretty fucking close. Then I saw Dutch tile art which it's pretty much like images drawn on a tile. Sometimes they're individual and they look like comic strips, but sometimes they're kind of like a mosaic where several tiles pieced together make a complete image. So I started thinking about fantasy's map, which you and I have spoken about years ago, saying like we never want a world map because it kind of, 
in my opinion, it would have ruined the kind of like what's in your mind's eye. It ca- and it cage my, my view of it has always been it cages in the world. Like when yeah. we draw when we draw definitive outlines. Yes. Then like we have lines that we we can't color outside yes. of. Like yeah. it's nice to be able to like flesh things out. And it goes along the same way where we don't really describe what characters and look like. Because I like the idea of our listeners, and even you and me, having different ideas of what places and people look like. And that meaning, the map, would kind of solidify things. And also, it kind of fusses with the weird history we've created, where there's holes in it based on plot things and, you know, and inconsistencies with our memory. But also, like, history is weird, and time is weird in fantasy, so maps would be complicated. So I was thinking... Someone introduced me to Incarnate, the map making software, and I thought about, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to make a map tile, just a tile of a piece of fantasy, because fantasy is very large, probably like in my head, it's probably the size of the sun, so like a million Earths could fit into it, and I wanted to make a tile, like think of a coaster, and I was like saying that the region of Newkirk with the shadow trolley and all that could fit on a single coaster, but the entire world map of fantasy would be on like 10,000 coasters all lined up in the proper puzzle places to make a complete picture. So I thought, if there's no map of fantasy, it's because it's so fucking large that people in their regular regions, like if I lived in Iron Hill, yeah, there's going to be somebody who maps out Iron Hill at some point. But I'm if I've never been to the mountains of the apex of creation, or I've never been to, you know, uh, where Runara Sandbar, like all these places that are really fucking far away, how the fuck would I have a map of that? And also, who mapped it out? And like, why would they honestly like ever know what Purethurga looks like and things like that? It would kind of have to rely on the exchange of information. So that's why I thought about tiles or like coasters, if you think of them, I'm holding one right now. If that had a map of my hometown on it and I combined it with Jeff's, he stamped in we would have a map connecting our two regions. But if the two of us never met, we'd never have the map. So that was my idea for fantasy was it's an intercon- it's a basically a scattered series of individual maps on tiles. And if you were to ever put them together, it would make the complete picture, but that's never going to happen. But then I mentioned this to Jeff in our chat, and Jeff had an idea that completely makes this even juicier, thicker, and more delicious and flavorful. And what is that, Jeff? So... What happened was, uh, I'm going to start at the beginning. Yeah, because that is not canon, by the way, the coaster idea. That was the idea that I pitched to Jeff. I, I want to I want to start. So I want I want to take you on my journey of this. <laughs> I'm sitting in my living room yep. in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I come in like the motherfucking Kool-Aid man with fantasy uh, ideas. <laughs> even before that. No, Aaron, we're starting before that. I'm starting when I get, I guess our prompt this week comes from Twitter user at Aaron Catano Saez, which with a tweet that says, I went to the Philadelphia Art Museum today. Party of one pod. Let's talk about art on our next recording, please. Yeah, that's, that's true. I did do that. And my immediate response, which was the response that I said out loud and then tweeted at you is, wait, this is how you tell me that you're in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was with my mom oh, yeah. no, at the no, Art I, Museum. I know. <laughs> Just, I, I saw it. It was like, Wait, what <laughs> the fuck? That is amazing. And it's so, true. <laughs> but yeah, so you sent me this and then you kind of shared with me the image. And like all I had, so all I had was like, let's talk about art. And then I, then you sent me an image of this map tile and you were like, what if we talked about maps on our recording? And so I was like, okay, let me think about maps. Like, let me think about, let me think about this and like chew on it. And in the way that I often do, like the first idea that popped into my head was really fucking fun. And 
you sent me this map, and you sent me some of the maps that you saw at the museum, you sent me these photos, these drawings, and I kind of leaned into sort of the, the I kind of leaned into the idea of making canon all the stuff that you were just talking about, like, having a definitive map cages in the world, we don't want to set anything too deeply in stone, etc., yeah. etc., etc., and you, you, your comment about, like, this map of the U.S. was, like, not quite right, but it was right at the time, like... Yeah, yeah. My the pitch the short version of the pitch that I gave you was what if both maps were right? Yes, which is and, so juicy. And, and the idea that I I built on was what if every map is right at some point only because everything is in some degree of magical flux? Like Ugh. the world shifts and changes, and you know it's this idea that like yeah we have the we have this map and we can know how to get to this place for now, but. In 10 years, in 20 years, in a generation, however we kind of build on it, like, it might not be that. Like, it's, and this idea that, like, the map that we're building has to be living and fluid and changing and dynamic, and it's, a lot of it is tied to stuff that is very true to the show's nature, like, storytelling and connection, and like you said, the sharing of information it makes those things. It also kind of ties into Teen Thieves, this is, this is Jeff pulling on these threads uh, as we speak. It also kind of ties into the idea that things like communications, things like information sharing, stuff like mail carrying, like, inherently becomes important because we have to kind of be like, hey, is there still a glacier, like, off the shore from from your town? Because if so, like, I can tell how to get to your town. Like, these things become really important and it kind of creates this world where you're constantly kind of having to reevaluate where things are and re kind of build those connection lines. And it makes those, it makes those long distance connections really important. And it makes that kind of information change really important. And it just creates a world where the geology of which and the geography of which and the, the build of which and the layout of which and where things are at any moment in time might be slightly different and that is a little bit of a cop out. I think some people what? might feel, but no like, no way, I, it's so sick. I think it. That's the thing. I think it is absolutely sick as hell. This idea that like this world is a swirling mass of chaotic magic energy, and so what we have written in stone might not be true twenty years from now, and we will have to like reevaluate how that world, like where yes. things are and how they connect to each other, because like that. I think that's sick as hell. It is. You you had mentioned uh, when our chat that um, it explains a lot of, we've explained in old episodes that travel is challenging in fantasy and that we've established that in fantasy, there are points of light and then places like in between points of light, meaning safe havens, cities, towns, you know, hamlets. In between those are areas that are dangerous and wild. Like, you know, it's literally just wilderness in between points of light. And so travel, it has an inherent challenges and just distance between these places is wild it's 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 hard to fathom our scale if we're saying that it's you know roughly the size of like the fucking sun that means like an average city is the size of like a continent for us or a region is the size of like a continent Mm -hmm. that's wild and so in between there being stretches where it would take you months to get somewhere the idea that that shifts and changes is scary and it kind of reaffirms the idea that like yeah places of light need to exist because if you don't want to traverse, you need a place to, like, rest or settle down that's safe and protected. And, you know, the idea that every generation, the topography of the planet shifts and moves, even a little. Don't forget, that's that's accurate to our world as well. The fact that the, the landmasses do shift 
every you know it, it's it's small but there is movement happening the i mean if you watch a time lapse of the planet and you watch the ice from the north come down and then recede i i, I want to say that the this movement this generational movement that like Literally, it's on a more dramatic scale than our world, where, like, mountain ranges will literally shift, crack, and, like, move like a snake moving through a continent. I would like to say that it's called—it looks like—because you would assume that the planet is a living, breathing thing, it would just be called the world's breath. Mm. was like, is this shifting—because it would be constant— even if you don't see it, if it's happening every generation, that would mean, like, if you wake up, that tree is not in the same spot. It's moved, like, 20 feet. Yeah. You know, it would have to be something. Or is it all at once? I kind of think it's, I think it's, I think it's gradual. I think that things just move sometimes, and there's no real rhyme or reason to it, and it's just kind of a, it, it, I think that sense of it is just very interesting, of this idea it, that, like, oh. stuff just moves around. So we've mentioned this in the past, and it's cool because I like justifying our bullshit where we're kind of pulling it out of nowhere. We have said that the forest in Purithergild is eternally like churning and grinding and growing and like, you know, engulfing itself. So if we say that that's kind of, it's accelerated in Purithergild, but all over the world, it's the same thing. It's a fascinating concept that the world kind of breathes and moves. Inanimate objects have... Because we said magic or, you know, the ley line magic, you know, chaos energy is in every fabric. It's basically atoms, you know, mm -hmm. it's in every fabric of things. That would mean like rocks contain it. Dirt contains it. Things that we would know as inanimate objects have energy in them that is also chaotic and in flux, which is fucking fascinating. That's cool as hell. Like, I think that's just a cool, it gives such an interesting picture to the world and it gives such an interesting picture to like traveling to places because like. And then it also kind of gives this like there's the, there there's there's the terrifying aspect to it, and then there's the really optimistic aspect to it, which is suddenly a city might be right next door. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like suddenly this place that was on the other side of the world, and so for a year, ten years, twenty years, a lifetime, or a month, a week, a day, a couple days, this place that was on the other side of the world could be outside your window, and like the very kind of natural, real, like personal experience that that brings is. You meet people and you share yeah. experiences. It's and a that, cultural exchange. Yeah, it is. there's like, a, there's a beautiful cultural exchange that happens when like suddenly like, and I think that's kind of a beautiful thing. And like I think that that we see a lot of that in fantasy of like, oh, uh, it builds this sense of like there is so much. Now, Aaron, this is this is me tying in a very big idea. I was about to say I have so many ideas that are firing off, and I'm very excited. Please go ahead. We have so many characters that quote unquote live on the road. Yeah. And, like, it ties perfectly into that, this idea that, like, yeah, because you have friends all over the world. You have yeah. experiences all over the world. Like, I might I might travel from place to place partially because, like, the last place that I remember is now on the other side of the planet. And so I'm going to this place where I have friends. Like, I'm going to visit my friends. I'm going to stay at a place where I stayed a couple years ago. And now it requires, like, travel and you know, maybe while I'm there, it will it will wash me up back where I started and I will I will take a circular path and maybe it won't. And like it gives a context to those characters who kind of live by traveling, which is that stuff moves. Yeah, it's almost as if I imagined them walking on the path or, you know, on their grand journey, kind of on that Les Mis Hamilton rotating stage mm -hmm. where the world you're walking in a straight line, but the world kind of changes around you as you move. And so if you know, for example, where, I don't know, uh, Emerald Ivy is, 
you know where it was, you know where it is this generation, but if you live to see another breath, you know, you have to find it again. What's, what's fascinating to me is we've created a world where people and places are separated by geographical distance, by physical distance, where the world is this massive place. But every now and again, if you imagine a, a table covered in coasters with different maps on it, you know, with different regions, if every now and again you come and you shuffle them up and rearrange the puzzle pieces and make them interlock, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. It would mean that, you know, distances are shortened and everybody's getting these different cultural experiences and there's an exchange of information and, and, and beliefs and fascinating stories and ideas and fuck waterways change. That's the thing. That's what would make the Nexus Lake such an incredible thing if... The Nexus Lake, I just thought of, is in the center of fantasy. If we can it's say the center that. Of, it's the center of everything. And it's where the thousand rivers meet. That means that things kind of rotate around it. That's like the axis point uh-huh. where like the world spins. If you think of fantasy as this like revolving, almost like a Rubik's Cube, but it's round kind of thing and the different interlocking things, everything rotates around the center point, which is the Nexus Lake. But it also means that new rivers form, new oceans form, new lakes form every generation. So every story about a lake that, you know, uh, my grandfather grew up swimming in this lake, blah, 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 blah. You may have to find it one day or you'll just never know about mm-hmm. it. And that's okay. If you take away that very human nostalgia need to connect with the path, this is a very like planet wide thing of like hey i'll never fucking see that again but it was nice while it lasted (laughs) i mean it also it also i mean that i feel like that i almost feel like that sense is going to be stronger right and it kind of drives that sense of like of i you know there is a thing from my past from my parents past from my ancestors past that is important to them i don't know where it is but like it is a i but like it is a mission of mine to find it and that creates this sense of like i got the only way i can find it is by like sharing information with people and by swapping stories and by saying, like, I am looking for this place and somebody going, oh, that's down the road from my house and going, well, where is your house? And all right, I'm on my way to your house because, like, that is where the thing that I am looking for is. It it makes it so that across the entire world, like, travel and shared experiences and communication and connection and you know, relationships and people and kindness are, are valuable because like that though they are they are necessities to they are necessities to our our collective uh physical and spiritual survival and that is kind of the most all my fantasy children thing that i can think of yes and i what i really really like about these implications is that things that in our world like you know we like to kind of take things in our world that suck shit and like make it imagine if it were not like that and optimistic i think about owning land that concept where if it's only generational that you live in a place, oh, this is my family's land. We've lived on it. We bought it. My grandfather bought it ages. That shit is gone. Yeah. You, know, you can't you can't just own things and keep them forever. And oh yeah, no, this will never belong to anybody else. This is my lake. This is private property. Fuck off. This is my beachfront property. A generation later, even if you can own it for us, it's for a time. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I, we haven't really discussed capitalism in fantasy. I have no desire to really break that down. Um, but the idea of everything is temporary because it, it's it leaves. It ties into the idea that, like, we've often made, I mean, Aaron, it is the season premiere, which means it's time for our most popular characters to show up. Oh, uh, God. Briefly. Really? Only briefly. Okay. Uh, like, we have made characters like Wizard 
the bad guys. Yes. And like a part of that is a is that they are the most kind of like nakedly capitalist characters. Yes. And like people like uh Rails Tumbleweed is a shithead. The Bright you know. Tower family. Like yes. it is a sense of like of in of imposing ownership onto a world that you cannot possibly own. And I think this kind of encapsulates oh, that really nicely. It's this sense of like you are trying to take a thing that will that will leave you and say this is going to be mine forever like that is a foolish endeavor and that is something that will come back to bite you yes i love it because of course there would be those who try to defy the the world's breath i guess the movement of mm-hmm. land you would try to fight it and and like stop it or you know get it back or something you know that's my mm-hmm. lake you know but it's like the the lake does not exist anymore like it's that's it's this lovely idea that if you kind of love something natural you kind of have to let it evolve. And it, it, yeah. everything kind of becomes a statue in the snow where if you weren't there for that generation to see it, it's gone. And that's fine because it, it's evolving and growing and breathing. It's alive. And that's what's cool about the, the world now is things like hikers. We've discussed what a hiker is in fantasy. And it's someone who traverses the points between points of light, helps people along. They leave, you know, magical spells engraved in trail markers, you know, to help people out. These people would be like, you know, historians of the land who are able to, you know, be able to guide you through. I'm like, you'd have to stay so up to date with the movements of everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this appreciation for the world in a historical sense, because to bring it back to map making, you would have these tables full of coasters that are the tiles of the world. Generation by generation, everybody's trying to put the pieces together but every you know generation, somebody flips the table over and you have to start all over again with new tiles, painting new yeah. tiles, yeah. which would mean that a hiker or you know backpacker, I forgot what we call them, trailblazers, would be able to like uh, hold a transparency of different coasters and map tiles up to each other and be able to like track the movements mm-hmm. to be able to like show you things or find your way or like you know if there was say you know a magical place that you you know i've i'd love to show my grandchildren but it's from my youth maybe there are ways to track it down because you would see it it's almost like meeting a child and then seeing them as an adult you would see what that magical waterfall that you enjoyed as a child grew up to be and you would find it and you'd be like that rock is chipped right on its right corner i made that chip when i fell into the lake that's the waterfall i saw Mm-hmm. 500 years ago. I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing oh, and cool. Because the world grows, Jeff. It evolves. And so you yeah. can't just have a map. You have you have this, this you know, centuries map, this eons map. And it's only good for now. And eventually you just got to throw it away and start all over again. It, it ties in, like you said, Trailblazers. It ties in this idea of like somebody going, well, I knew what this was once. And like people who study the changes and like follow these things and follow those trails and go, well, are uh, the stories say that if I follow this road and I go down this cave and I go into this water, like, and being like, well, and if this is that cave, then I'm going to go through that. And like, so that sense of somebody that knows these things and follows these things and studies these things is sort of a beautiful and vital thing. And like, I think that's an amazing and cool thing. Something that's nice that I want to think about is, um, when you go back to the place where you got engaged or someone asked you like to scatter my ashes at you know in the in the Mullica River and the Pine Barrens if you are tasked with that you then have to go on like a quest to like find 
what it evolved to be and what form it might be just like you know a small little creek now it used to be a raging river you know miles wide but now you have to track down what this river has turned into even if it's like a little a puddle next to you know a fountain a small little natural body of water and that's where you'd have to go like it's it's understanding the the growth of things and kind of finding what things used to be it's finding like a former it's kind of it like i'd said it's it's kind of like finding the younger self yeah. of something like i want to find this mountain's younger self it used to be a massive peak but this iteration this era it's just like a little stone in front of a diner but that's the same one and so i sat on it and we renewed our vows because i proposed on top of that mountain blah 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 this shit bangs so this hard is cool. it has it has a lot of cool History implications for our show? Because, okay, my question for you is, do cities move or are they, like, ripped apart by the seams? Hmm. Do major, do places, do points of light stay put and the world revolves around them? Hmm. Because you said a city might end up in your back window, but that means, like, how do you know what the city limits are? Does nature care or does nature honor, hmm. like, the you know, the boundaries of people's homes? Hmm. That is, those are both very good questions. You know? If... It, it it kind of can't, like, it's not going to, like, rip apart pure ether guilds every generation and, yeah. like, throw it across the world. Right, but yeah. But I think, okay, we can justify this, though, with is there an event that preserves them? Is there a practice that keeps people's homes safe from this breath, you know, from this changing, this alteration, this, you know, this morphing of the top uh, topography of the planet? So, so, so here's my, here's my pitch. Okay. This is big. Please. This is this is this is making explicit a lot of very all my fantasy children concepts. Yeah. And and also it's it's plucking at a thing that we've kind of uh gestured towards in this episode a lot. Okay. If it is, what if what it is that keeps a city in place is also the thing that keeps that waterfall in place is also the thing that keeps all of these things are kept in place because in the vein of all my fantasy children, in the vein of like what what we've often said magic is and things oh. like that. It's stories and it's memories and it's 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 it's, it's energy. Being, it's, it's energy it's, and it's energy that is that is sparked by creativity and memory and, and love and like appreciation and love. Yeah. And so like that waterfall that I that I that waterfall that I I I, I dived down when I was a kid is out there somewhere. It might it might be smaller, it might be larger than I remember, but like somewhere in this world, that thing exists because I'm holding on to it with a memory, right? Like it is it is yeah. a it, it, the stronger like it's a, a thing is like kept together. So like a lo- like it's and so it's this idea that like you know by sharing these things and by appreciating them, like they can withstand the test of time. It's kind of like taking care of something really nice. Yeah, it's preserved. Where it is might change, but like the shape of it and the experience of it, like will hold, like is given a form. And so I fuck with that. It also so like kind of connects back to trailblazers as these people that like know the paths to things and that like follow them and can connect these things because. They are following stories and threads. They are following if I go down this cave and I jump in this water and I I come out the other side, there will be a waterfall. I don't like I don't know where quite where all of these things are, but I know because I have heard the stories. I have I have the written accounts. I have the maps like I have these things. I have the pieces of the puzzle. I can I I can connect those things together. And and that's your that's your coasters, right? It's the. 
It's the, well, I know that, I know that this city overlooks the water on this, like, at this side of the city overlooks the water, and if I go into this water, it's following those threads. It, it is, it is a worldwide equivalent to, and I say this with love, because this, this is very much a thing that is in my family and in my, in my core, country directions. Okay, I like this a lot. Like it is it is a worldwide codification of you go three lights, you see the red barn, you take a left, you get your gear like you go left until you see the Arby's, you take a right, you're not going to miss it. That's where you're going. And it's that sense of like finding things through the stories. Like when I see that red barn. I know that it the distances might not make sense, like, I might not have a firm picture of it, and it might all just be connected through story and memory and magic and all these other things. I gotta, like, I know that if I see that red barn, I gotta take a right. You know what I mean? I gotta yeah, take a I right do. at the red barn. And, like, that's the thing that spreads to to the other worlds. Like, that is the that is how things are held. That is how things stay connected. That is how consistency is kept in a world that is constantly like magically in flux because this isn't this isn't like an environmental change this is straight up magic and i think that is how a lot of this comes about is like yeah the magic of i am exerting a memory on this whole gives things a form to hold on to and then everything kind of shifts around that yes and it's also i think to the people of fantasy who i always say have very little understanding of what the fuck is actually going on in terms of like the greater magics of the world from their perspective, they really would notice, like, I think it kind of revolves around people and things like that. Like, meaning if you live in Purethra Guild, it's kind of like if you were to stand in the center, it would feel as if the world is rotating around the city. Not that every couple years the city is ripped apart. Yeah. I think it's a phenomenon in the world of fantasy as well, where it's like, I don't know, it seems to be wherever your home is, the world spins around you. Yeah. And if that's true for every single person in fantasy, the world could still be in flux and they would never know. Oh, yeah. 100%. I think it's great. Yeah. Standing at the center, the world revolves around you. But from your point of view, it hasn't really changed. Much. It has changed outside your front door. But where your front door is, is different. It's kind of a heady thing, but it's kind of a perspective shift that they don't understand and I don't understand. But it's a phenomenon that your home never goes anywhere. And yet it does at the same time. Home is, oh, I've always lived in Pure Ether Guild. But what's outside the forest has always been different ever since my peepaw's been alive. I mean, I'm, <laughs> and as far as like understanding it, like there's also a level of like, there's a level that you can't comprehend, you know? No, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's a phenomenon where people are like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on. It's like dark matter. It's also a thing you can't comp like, and I say like, this is, this is, this is Jeff to Aaron, like the world is literally moving under your feet in like three different capacities right yeah. now. Yeah, you I know. Can't, you can't experience it. Because, no. Like, and that's kind of what it's like. It's like, yeah, like, I, I, you, you know, the most, the most studied scholar in the world can, like, map this and study it, but to truly, you can't truly comprehend it because it's happening on a scale that is beyond your ability to understand it. I love that so much. It is so true of the, and it's something where it's so true to our world, too, where, like, you can never hang on to anything too much because the world does move really fast and things change. And especially it happens when you visit somewhere where you used to live mm -hmm. and you're like, what? There's an Arby's there now? That was never, that was an open field. 
that was, you know, that was a forest and now it's a strip mall. I mean, we're from Jersey, so clearly we have this example a lot, <laughs> but it's really... <laughs> Both of our examples were exactly the same. Um, But it's RVs, yeah. But it's really that feeling of like you can't hold on to things. Like things will change around you when you weren't looking at it. And that's what always happens in real life. When you come back to that neighborhood, you're like, what the fuck? My favorite place used to, my bakery used to be there. And now it's gone and it's a Starbucks. Oh, man. It's that very big feeling of like when you're not looking at it, that's when it happens because your perspective isn't there. You're not putting your energy into it. And it's nothing you can avoid. The world revolves around you. and But it's something that happens in fantasy as well, where you're like, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who say, like, I should have gone to that lake more often. And now it's gone. Like, I can find it, but it might not be what I remember. Yeah. And that's a tough one, where it's about hanging on to the thing, the memories when you have them, hanging on to what's real when it's in front of you and you can reach out and touch it. Because once it's gone, it's gone. And it's once again... All my fantasy children get sad. <laughs> also, Arby's are naturally occurring. You know how, like you know how like every evo- you know how like half of evolutionary chains like move towards crab. Yep. The ev- the, the geological move <laughs> for structures is in it's Arby's. Arby's. It's like of course, yeah. Starts it's out as a house, a barn, then a house, then an open field, now. and then an Arby's. Eventually, where I'm standing right now, where I'm sitting at my desk in New York, will eventually be an Arby's. We all, we all, we all are standing. We we know that where we where we are will one day be. In, you cannot plan. True to the true to the theme of the show, you can't plan for it. One day you will merely wake up and look around and go. All right, I guess I'll have a, a beef and cheddar. I guess I've been inside Arby's all along, and it just became an Arby's around me. Fascinating. Well, guess I'll have a Jamocha shake. You got the five for five deal. Yeah, fucking lit. Let's go. Damn. <laughs> Good. Good. Maps. I I like this idea for maps. So generational maps would exist, and eras exist. Like the one I made, by the way, it's like on my itch page. It's free. You can just download it if you want to look at it. But like the the concept that I want to, I don't know, finish on. But I want to mention things like shitty capitalist stuff, like the the rails tumble weed uh, railroad, the the shadow trolley. We we've talked in the in the past about like how it's like in ruins. It still runs because it runs on the planet's energy and it's like evil. But like it's in ruins and it's all the stations are all fucked up and they have no power and they're a mess and like you know they're still preserved because they're like an underground subway thing and some of them are above ground. But there <laughs> there used to be like this organized train network that takes you from place. They'd be all over the fucking place now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like stations would be, that means the train from generation to generation, you don't know where the fuck it's going to go. The train lines would change constantly. The tracks themselves would like bend and twist and the stations would lead to somewhere else. This is fascinating. Transportation is shitty in fantasy. Fantasy is a great place to live and an awesome place to exist in the modern age. But it's also really hard to get anywhere. I love it. <laughs> well, and the, and the thing I want the thing I want to end on uh, there there is uh, a thing a thing going back to the idea of old maps. Yeah, going back to to I guess the prompt, which is talking about art and maps in the Philadelphia well, yeah, Art Museum. The, the depiction of maps and how before you know a satellite image, it was kind of an art form of observing and tracking patterns in geology. Well, and, and, and do you know what? Do you know what other detail of maps is something that in fantasy is super common? Uh, that is like know. long gone. Like it is not a thing on maps anymore because of satellite imagery and accuracy and all these other things. Stuff. What do you mean? 
drag like here be dragons like oh fuck me up the, the, like the sillier answer is like the the crusty land or the crusty burger map and the yes like walt disney world maps and things like that where it's like it's stuff like all over the place yeah there's stuff like it's like here's a forest and here's the oldest tree in the forest and and there and this is the lake that's got big bernard in it big bernard's just a real big fish and like you know like like those little details because because those are things that have like a tangible magical value right like yes those are things that that a a a trailblazer like will rely on those are things that will like that have a tangible power like if I find the lake with Big Bernard in it, I know the forest is nearby because those things have power together. I love that maps are interpretive and weird. Yes, and yes. Personal oh, and and oh. momentarily and all these different things are connected by virtue of they have to be because I need to show you like what my world looks like. Yes. And what what's fascinating is the the idea of legends and myths and Fantasy maps are always like, you know, we said in our world, this oceans or the seas are full of fucking giant sea monsters and shit. So these maps would be like labeled by story. Like you would have to hear stories and shit about like, hey, do you have any like you'd go to town to town being like, do you have any remarkable locations and things like that? Because like the cave with the Thunderblade in it would have to get marked on the map. But then when that changes, that means the Thunderblade is somewhere else in the world. If you are, you know, you were attacked by, you know, the mist of the mer- what, what was the the fog called? Lost on oh. found. Yep. If you were like attacked by that fog on the seas or like a giant crab monster crushed your ship. You would have to say, like, in this sea, in, you know, the sea of, I don't know, give me a, give me a good sea name. Uh. In the, in the, the Cerulean Basin, there's a it. giant Sick. crab that, like, once crushed a pirate ship. And, like, you'd have to follow that thing. These stories would have to be, like you said, you'd have to do this. It was also precautionary of, like, y'all, there's a basilisk in this one lake, in this one swamp fucking watch out for it so you mark it and so people try to find where it might be in the next generation to be like yeah that thing killed like dozens of people we got to be really careful and so like the idea of making a map is a lot of stories and generational tales and that it's a lot of how why there's so many myths and legends and fantasy is because like they would be on map tiles and so when you like turn it over you're like Holy shit, the Thunderblade bat used to be in my fucking backyard, man, like 10 generations ago. That's wild. Let's go find it. And then, like, you know, the, the myth spins and grows and grows, especially if no one finds it for an entire generation. You know, the entire thing of, what was the vi- Wizard Van guy's name? Oh, I don't even. Appropriately enough, I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, the Wizard Van, hold on. I have to know this. I have to figure, I have to look it up. It's like the second to last episode. I like, know, it's we not like even... made it recently. <laughs> <laughs> Zal Lonesome Room. <laughs> so, like, the tale of Zal Lonesome Room is one where, like, you know, we said that he would forget where magical items are and where he left forgeries and where he left the real stuff. Imagine when that gets shuffled all over the planet. The world would be just as full of myths and legends as we create them and stuff like that. It would create the most dope world map ever because you have to just, you're tracking patterns, you're tracking, God, I love this so much. I could talk about this for fucking hours, but we're not going to do that. Do you have any closing notes? I don't. I think this is sick, and I think that's a that's a good rap point, honestly. Dang, I, I got nothing except for this is so sick, and 
the episodes that we've made about locations are now so much doper, knowing that we're like, oh, the long haul of Defeated is in a place that was really far away. That's why in my map, I put it like next to almost uh, Newkirk, because I was like, yeah, maybe in one iteration, it was like that fucking close. And now when we're talking about it, it's like in a far off land. This is so sick. I got to stop talking about it. We'll keep going. That's a wrap on map tiles and maps and fantasy. It's so sick. I'm so excited. Sick as hell. Sick as hell. If you'd like to submit a prompt for our show so we can use it in an episode, not like this one, but all of your ideas truly in the Discord and your thoughts and stuff do feed this kind of stuff because it gets my curiosity working when people are like, uh, what does the world look like? And we're like, we won't tell you, but it does get my brain thinking. But anyway, if you'd like to submit a prompt for our show, there's a million ways you can do it. Jeff, can you tell the fine folks at home? No. Okay, that's fine. If you can't oh. remember the whole pa- the whole th- sentence, that's fine. You can email us at allmyfantasychildren at gmail.com. You can post them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash allmyfantasychildren. You can tweet them to us at amfc underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasychildren. Or you can post them on our Discord, which you can find at bit.ly slash amfcdiscord. Come hang out in our Discord. It's so fun. It's, you know, if you have questions about the show, about clarifications, about lore, old episodes... I'm always here. Jeff's there. We can answer your questions and burning thoughts and concerns. Um, Jeff is the second podcast. Why have you not paused this? All right, go to your web browser. Go to Netscape. <laughs> Alta Vista. <laughs> Alta Vista. Holy fuck. Go to Ask Jeeves and then type in Party Jeff, of One I, I pay Jeeves. I pay Jeeves good money. <laughs> you too. <laughs> he and I have an arrangement. <laughs> Jeff has another show. Do you be listening to it? Uh, Party of One is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week, I sit down with a friend, we play a two-player game, we share some laughs, maybe a few tears, and we have a really good time. New episodes drop every uh, Monday, Tuesday at partyofonepodcast.com. Boom! All My Fantasy Children is proud to be a part of the One Shot Podcast Network. The One Shot Podcast Network is our umbrella. It's our parent company. It's our, <laughs> it's our parent network, and we're glad to be in the same company as amazing shows like Modifier, Campaign Skyjack, Skyjack's Carrier's Call, System Mastery. Skyjack's Carrier's Call? What's that about? Oh, it's an all-ages spinoff of the popular show Campaign Skyjacks. It's an all-ages actual play uh, where, that I'm a cast member on about kids delivering the mail and exploring their magical world, learning to be adults in it. And it's what? fun and it's awesome. I know, I do another show. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. You should listen to it. I'm really happy that we're on the One Shot Podcast Network because it's cool. And if you're all about the kind of tone of this show, you'll love everything that's on the network because we all share the same wavelength in terms of like, Cool storytelling, good fantasy and fiction, and like being nice. Jeff, do you have a verbal hug this week? Do I have a verbal hug this week? I do. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying at the very start of the episode. Y'all, give yourself like the schedule that you want. Like, don't, yeah. don't burn yourself. Don't, you know, you are, if you are, if you are making things, if you are someone that makes things, if you are someone that works on projects, if you are someone that is uh, making art or, or stuff. Set your own schedule and set a schedule that is kind to yourself, you know? If life gets in the way, like, if life comes up and you get the opportunity to go, you know, take a fun gig or, you know, necessity rears its head and suddenly, like, things are shaky and, and your and your job situation changes or if you're just tired or if if you get a chance to, to go hang out with their, I guess, virtually hang out with friends or any of these things, like... Like, that's the stuff that really matters. You know what I mean? Like, that's the stuff that that you're going to look back on and go, God, where did that time go? And like, 
give yourself the time and space to celebrate that stuff and to enjoy it and to to make the most of it and you know the work and the projects and the art like all that stuff will be there when you get back and sometimes the stuff that you come back to will be better than the stuff that you when you left because you will have lived a life you know what i mean like yeah it is often said that the best like uh a lot of people's best writing advice is read a lot and write a lot and I also kind of add to that, just live a lot, like do yes. things, live things, like have fun. And cause like, it's go like, like, like the tactical thing to say, or the, I guess the, 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 the on the ground thing to say is like, it's going to make the things that you make better, but also it's going to make you enjoy them more because it's going to, it's going to recharge you and it's going to refuel you. And it's the stuff that really matters. So give yourself the time and space to enjoy it. And then. If it means that you're if it means it takes you a little bit longer to to finish that drawing or to put out that game or to do whatever you're doing, like, so be it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You will you will be happier when the thing is out the door. Yeah. I am a big proponent. Obviously, we made the show in a month, um, but of that light living your life and enjoying your life as it is, you know, a, a brief candle in this world is the most important thing to do. Art is incredibly important, but there is no art without life. Art imitates life. Art is fueled by life. If you're struggling with your art, you know, and you're not connecting, usually bring your own life into it, and that will help you tremendously push through. That's literally what fired up my inspiration for this episode was being like going to the museum, enjoying it, soaking it in, and really like trying not to think about the podcast and try to, oh, got to think of ideas, got to think of ideas. I saw that and was like, holy shit, this tile art and this map has gotten me such a sick idea. And like just living life and going to Colorado and working out there and doing things and meeting people, there's nothing more important than living your life, enjoying it, squeezing everything out of it. And when it's time to make your work, Use the things that you've come up with and seen and lived and experienced and people you've known because it's unique to you. It's the one thing in this world that's unique to you is your life. So fucking use it. It's going to be awesome. And, you know, it's it's a lot better than sweating deadlines and churning out stuff because you feel like you have to to meet some deadline and demand that doesn't exist. If it does exist for money, that's different. But it is also bring yourself to it and don't forget to recharge and Live your fucking life. Go do something that you want to do. I know the world is kind of challenging at the moment, but there are still ways for you to not sweat things like, I got to create, I got to create, I got to create, but you have to live in order to create. So go do it. I support you. I am here for you. Uh, if I can do it, fucking you can, because you're probably more creative than me. Anyway, is that all we do on this fine podcast? I think that's all we do here. It feels so good to be back. Doesn't it, though? Doesn't Fuck. it really? That episode was a fucking banger. We coming back. We knocked it out. New season, I guess. New episode. Oh my God. Hopefully I can edit this within two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Gonna live my motherfucking life first. Um, Anyway, that's all we do in this show. So until next time, good Good night. night, Good game. Hollybrook Station. Just one of the hundreds of stops on the Shadow Trolley's route as it cuts and darts across all of fantasy. But this station is a touch different from the rest. 
Based on looks, it's no different from any other station in the world. If you ever found a Rails Tumbleweed trolley station, you would see a staircase heading down into the ground. And if you'd follow that staircase down, it ends with a large steel door. Remember from a Celeste Silverna audio drama? Anyway, that door takes you to the ruins of the once lavish station. You'd enter a medium-sized room filled with broken monitors and machinery, a ticket booth, and a turnstile. Once you hop the turnstile, you would head down another large flight of stairs to the platform. And if you were foolish enough, you would wait for the trolley to arrive and board the train that would fling you off to God knows where based on this phase of the world's breath. But the Hollybrook station, well, it's always been a little different. This station has always had only one place that it travels to. The catch is, ever since the event at Newkirk, which you can refresh yourself with at episode 117, Lester and the Duke, the station has been closed. Well, the sign outside says, out of order. This, of course, has never stopped curious people who just can't help themselves from heading down, opening the steel door, jumping the turnstile, and heading for the platform, only to find a very long wait. That's right, the train never comes. Some say that folks have camped on that platform for weeks waiting for the famous train to nowhere, only to be left disappointed when they head quite literally nowhere. It just never arrives. But if you were to, say, have access to the power of demons, like the man known as Arcana Dimde, and his followers, the Major Arcana, episode 97 and 153, the Hollybrook Station is your gateway between fantasy and his domain a pocket dimension outside of the material plane called the Nightmare Space. Within it, Arcana Dimde, hearing the whispered instructions of his demon overlords, has crafted a massive tower within the dark abyss of the Nightmare Space. It would become the home of Dimde and his order-wielding followers, the Spire Obscura. At the top of the tower lived the Major Arcana, the loyal sword arm of Dimde. But beneath the tower, in a massive chamber, is where the great demon lord spends his days. After the legendary mage Conjure handed him his humiliating defeat, he now exists only to serve the will of demons that once gave him power. Every minute of the day, they whisper Arcana commands. Build us a home, Arcana Dimde. Arcana Keep it safe until they return. The chrysalis. The chrysalis. Life sucks for Arcana Dimde, and we love that. But as the ages passed, the greater Arcana stopped seeing Dimde. Although they would still receive simple messages from him in their sleep as commands and orders, but as time went on, they doubted the messages were even from him, or that he was even still alive. But despite this, none were foolish enough to enter the room beneath that tower in search of him. They could feel it. There was something in that chamber, and its haunting heartbeat endlessly echoing through the spire obscura ran chills up their spines. A heartbeat, and a sickly green glow 